Hey people, this is Aram. Before we get started this week, I wanted to give you all some God's Fall updates. As many of you who follow me on social media know, I have been struggling with the sudden and persistent onset of severe rheumatoid arthritis. Over the past couple of months, the pain and swelling was so intense that I wondered how long I would physically be able to take care of myself, much less continue to produce stories. This week, a dentist informed me that a crown I had done two years ago was botched. The resulting infection was serious and he immediately put me on antibiotics, and my arthritis simply went away. I had a similar experience in the hospital a year ago, but was assured the two could not be connected. I truly regret not forcing the issue more then. It will be an expensive path to wellness, but now that I have a plan to escape daily pain, I am thrilled to launch back into the projects I have been eager to get started. I am also excited to find a way to cover all of my medical bills. So as we finalize packing and begin shipping the God's Fall World Book, we are proud to announce our next installment. Rise of the Demigod. Rise takes place just before the breaking of the world, when the old gods sought to bolster their claim on Kalgun by siring demigod offspring to rule it. Their divine children laid waste to whole continents in their name, and many mortals of the realms grew to despise them. Coalitions were formed and armies marched upon their divine creators, slaughtering many of the demigods and threatening the rule of the gods themselves. As the people's faith waned, so did the gods' power. Desperate to halt this erosion, the gods called a council to deal with the demigod issue once and for all. It was decreed that each god was allowed to claim five demigod offspring. Those who are born unclaimed must prove their worth through training and trials in the divine halls and magical valleys of the Temple of Udea. Our first official God's Fall adventure, Spark of Divinity, is the first in a series designed for young demigods who are just discovering their powers in a world grown hostile to godly whims. Inquisitors from the Temple of Udea scoured the land in search of the unclaimed, children of gods who abandoned them and who have no knowledge of their birthright, or those illegally sired by a pair of demigod parents. The PDF version of the book will include full audio tracks with original music, sound effects, and voice acting talent from the Chicago area. So you can bring our production magic right to your gaming table. We will also be launching a new God's Fall livestream of the same name, Rise of the Demigods, and you can get updates about that show by following us on Twitter at DemigodsFall. For those of you who missed out on the first Kickstarter, we will also be offering a second print run of the God's Fall World Book and a discount if you pick up both books. The Kickstarter goes live Monday, July 23rd, and prior Kickstarter and BackerKit supporters will get an early invitation to check out what we have been working on. So thank you all very much for your continued support of God's Fall and of all the worlds and stories I'm creating on the Neon Rival Network. I cannot wait to show you all what we've been planning next. Anyway, enough of that. Let's get back to the show.
Hey people, this is Aram. Welcome back to God's Fall, a proud member of Neon Rival. Join the collective at neonrival.com. When we last left Ariska and Haldir, they had made their way west on Haldir's fog cutter, sailing between the southern tip of Kadar and the beaches of the northernmost Republic of Wessel, Ankara. Once through the strait, they turned south and headed towards Blackfang Bay. My name is Joe, and I play Lord Haldir Moran, the sixth level High Elf Warlock. My name is Serena, and I play Caitlin Wainwright, a level six human rogue. My name's Allison, and I play Ariska Tane, an eighth-level human bard. <laughs> My name is Michael. I play Besson Arani, a second-level wild elf fighter. My name is Carlos, and I play Thrallmark, a sixth-level undying orc One place where the sails come out and form, you know, wide bars to the left and right, and then above that, there'd be a second bar, and then right above that is going to be a crow's nest. So you're up to the first bar right now. You take a second to look back, and the deck is now being swarmed. Your archers are stepping out onto the bar, telling you to go higher as they're now firing almost down directly just to keep people off of the main mast. You said there was a, that big blue orc on the deck. Can I see him? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Can I see that he's more than a zombie? So I think he's looking up at the crow's nest and all this chaos is going around. These elven archers are going down at the same time. They're being kind of like eaten alive. Can he communicate telepathically? Whatever order he thinks, any zombie within 120 feet will do that order. His hands are by his side, and he like raises one hand, and he lifts one finger, and one person stops. And then a second finger, and another person stops. And then a third one, and then they start walking. while he's like staring up at them the entire time. So two of the archers were down on the deck trying to fend off while the other two were up on the um, sail. So those two have now been taken out and just rended, just torn apart. Two more are now on that upper landing, so about 20 feet up, firing down arrows into the zombies as they approach the main sail. From my position on the mast, I can also see uh, this blue-skinned orc that I first saw on the other ship, and I focus in on him and reach out with my divinity. I begin to whisper songs of madness directly into his mind. You reach out with your madness divinity, and you begin to skate along the surface of this creature's mind, and there's definitely a mind in there, even though the flesh encasing it is clearly dead, and you touch 
the creature's mind. And there's just like this deadness. There's this limpness and this non-responsiveness as if you're touching something that simply isn't there. And the creature just smiles at you. I smile back and then turn back to the mast and start climbing to the second crossbeam. <laughs> I'd like to pull out, call, get my hacked crossbow out, and I want to shoot that thing in the head. You aim your arm, and a crossbow appears inside of it, the same green crackling energy that his sword is made out of. The string to the crossbow pulls back on its own, a bolt kind of like starts from the back and comes into existence. Roll to hit. So the 16 and 4, 20. You see the elf point a crossbow at you. Well, point his hand at you. A crossbow materializes and this bolt of green energy fires out, lands in your chest. It thunks right into your chest and vanishes. There's a hole where it was left and like this kind of sickly black blood drips down it for a second. But by the time it's gotten a couple inches down, the hole has already sealed up and his flesh is now undamaged. I'd like to attack again, but I want to hit him in the head. So my packed, my packed weapon, I can attack twice per turn. Absolutely, so roll one more time. Ooh, that's a nine. Tilt his head to the side as you fire, and the bolt goes right past him and into the deck, and then vanishes. Initiative. 16. Five. 16. Okay, so first act will be mock, and I guess you want to have the zombies all act on his turn because they're following him. Yes, exactly. Okay, so mock and the zombies. Mock turns to the three just standing under the mass right now. Kind of puts his hand out like straight and flat. And then he just like pulls it back like slowly like that. And they pull out their blades and they start hacking at the base of the mass. Like almost as if it's hitting iron. Clang, clang, because its whole mass is made of ironwood. Gotcha. So there's no way they're going to get through that. Bring it down. So under his breath, he just says to it, he's still staring at them from above, uh, slowly regenerating from the arrow. I might try out a couple of these voices because I don't know which one it is. Uh, bag of bones. Bag of bones. Pull them out. Drag them home. Yeah, I think that's fine. That's <laughs> yeah, that works well. Okay. That works really well. <laughs> okay, Ariska. So I'm below Haldir at this point still, right? Just a little bit, yeah. Okay. And that other ship is within 500 feet? Within 500 feet, yep. Am I going to regret this? Probably. Probably. Okay. Ariska looks up at Haldir and says, I think it's time to go. I agree. Ariska casts Dimension Door. To the foredeck of that terrible, terrible ship. Where do you want to appear on the ship? Close to the bow, because where we saw the captain, whoever that was, she was on the stern, right? No, she's actually standing right on the front of the ship. Oh. Just, just staring. Well, how about right behind her then? That nice. seems, that seems nice. <laughs> Excellent. 
you open this blue doorway in front of you. So you can just like let go and fall through it. You fall through this door and land on the deck. You're directly behind this orc who turns to look at you. Blood is caked all over, dripping in parts off of her. There's this bone armor that is human and elf and orc and a rhino. Like you're not even sure what, there's all different parts of different animals that are all strapped to her with sinew and flesh. And this giant wolf with this flaming, not flaming skull, but energy from the asteroid was pouring off it like it was a flames, turns and is growling at you. But they don't attack. But I can take one willing participant with me. Did you want to take Haldir with you? That was why. That oh, was I'm what sorry. I was assuming was coming. They were supposed to jump through the Yeah. Do you want to go through? Yeah, let's do it. She opens up this blue doorway, and it's kind of like angled to be beneath you. She steps off into it. You're going to have to jump into it. Going in. I would like you to roll dexterity. 15. You land on the deck. He slams to the deck right behind you, but it's kind of like a superhero land with like one hand down and rises to his feet. And the orc turns towards both of you. And the wolf turns and cocks its head, and there's this low, grumbling growl that's happening from somewhere inside its throat, but its throat is torn open, so there's a wet flapping as the growl happens. You hear it escaping from its very throat, and they just look at you. As soon as Mock sees them jump through whatever that portal was, he's just like unbelievable anger, like unbelievably pissed off. And he uh, like raises his hands almost like across, like uh, over his head, like an X. And when he pulls them back down, the three zombies at the base have like all cut their heads off like that. And they all fall to the floor. So he's like, thunk, thunk, thunk. Is their entire crew done? Are they like, have they been? I mean, they they, you can hear some some screaming and some munching below you, so you can assume that the ones in the ship are still being taken out, and there's two up on the mast still firing down. Otherwise, it's been the whole deck is clear. He looks around. Almost everyone's completely gone and dead. Takes out his hand again, flat. Nice kind of does like this little wave thing. Eight members go down and they pull out the oars. You start rowing the ship back to the other one. Yes. Vestin, we're going to cut to you. I stay hidden as well as I can. So you're hitting and you're as quiet as you can be, right? Kind of grabbing your own mouth to be a little bit quieter. Your teeth are a little shattering. This fear is rippling through your body. And you can hear... And you can see one zombie followed by another zombie followed by another zombie making their way into the hold. I would like you to roll a stealth. I'd like to roll with advantage because you're within moss. So 18 total. So they all kind of like splash into this spongy moss water that kind of covers the entire floor here. And they're kind of lumbering around. And once in a while, they'll turn and they'll rip at the seaweed. 
I raise my scimitar in one hand, hand crossbow in the other, and say, well, honey, what didn't you understand about let's talk? And she would smile. As she smiles, you can see all of her teeth and her gums are solid black and her teeth are yellowed and cracked and stained with blood. And she just smiles at you and her voice is like several voices if there were others that existed within her throat and were speaking from within her. You surprise me. I'm not usually surprised. <laughs> well, of course I surprised you. I'm the god of chaos, sweetheart. That's what I do. That is what you are. I could sense a force, and this one is not a god. But there's something in him. Shall we look at it? Oh, yes. Yes, let's definitely look at it. And she snaps her fingers. Even though you're way across from her, you hear her snap, and all you want right now is to be by her side. There's no way for me to like. You could leap off the thing and swim towards her. That wouldn't be faster than a boat, though. You, you would outpace that boat because you can. You don't have to breathe. She would just swim under the boat and pop back up, while the boat's making it all the way around. Yeah. He's on the uh, the front of the boat, just carnage everywhere. There's also like bodies, zombie bodies without heads, without legs, some with arms, and they're all like flailing about. While he was waiting for the boat to get going and, and to get closer pushes his hands out, and then he just moves them to the side. Bodies that are still alive but are basically useless, just like arms and legs that are moving, they start like making their way to the side of the boat to fall off of the boat. So he's basically like cleaning house. He gets this call in his head, runs to the front of the boat, dives off and starts swimming. When you leap off the front of the boat, you clear an extra 10 feet. Crash into the water, you don't come back up. You dive a good 20 feet down and are just swimming underneath water like a submarine. And you're already sailing underneath the boat. You'll be on the deck within the next two rounds. Hal, dear, don't move, honey. This won't hurt a bit. I say, is this, do you really think this is the time? Her wolf has circled behind you. So there's a 12-foot wolf kind of standing behind you and growling in your pocket. You can feel a shaking of the two little trinkets and they're kind of like clinking together. Like you can feel them desperate to leap out and save you. On one hand, it really seems like Ariska and this other person are working together and know each other in some way because there was literally no introduction None. whatsoever. None. And now they're all like, well, she did, she did say, I'm the god of chaos. Yeah, I, I don't like this. So lions are coming out. So you throw them to the ground and tink, tink, tink along the deck and then an explosion of astral energy and a roar as they both come to life out right and left. The wolf is watching them circle around him and there's, they're definitely going to go after each other on the next round. As that's happening, the god of death extends two fingers and is walking towards you. What do you do? How far away am I from her? Five feet. I'm trying to imagine what five feet is. This is between you and me. I'd like to pull out my scimitar. She is just going to keep walking towards you with her hand, extending her two fingers up. The wolf goes to bite at one of the lions. Teeth slam into the deck, but your lion nimbly jumps out of the way as they both circle around back on the wolf now. All right, mock. 
you are emerging and climbing the side of the ship okay. right now. Ariska. As she's approaching Haldir, Ariska still has her weapons drawn, trying to kind of be behind her, to the side of her a bit, while the lions and the wolf are doing their thing. Haldir. Cut her arm off at the elbow or at the wrist. I would like you to roll to hit. 20. As you rip your arm across your body, your hand clenches into a fist and a blazing crackle of green energy fires out of it in the shape of a sword and simply slices through the middle of her forearm as her hand limply falls to the deck. As she looks back up at you, holds her stump towards you, and then her hand stands upright. That's creepy. So I want to have my lines attack the wolf, um, but presumably this wolf is also a zombie, so actually going for its hide won't work. Um, what I want is to take out the tendons in its legs or, sure. or uh, behind like its heels, whatever the, those supporting tendons are that allow the wolf to walk. Uh, natural 20. Wow. Okay. Uh, 22. The first lion just lunges on, I guess, the equivalent of whatever a wolf has for an Achilles heel. Yeah, exactly. Just the teeth dive in, rips out. There's this gross black tendril of a thing flapping about, and you just see the wolf's left leg kind of cave in. The other lion has wrapped itself around the wolf's right leg and is gnawing at it, but hasn't quite gotten through it yet. All right, death. And the wolf. Death's hand scurries right to you runs to your leg, sprints up the side of your body, and is like climbing towards your face. And she just still has her, her uh, stump extended outwards, pointing towards you, but hasn't moved at all. The wolf is going to try and reach around and bite. Sinks its teeth into the back of the lion's neck. Yanya lets out a yelp as she's lifted up and thrown to the side and slammed into the deck and Yanya has taken 23 points of damage. Mach. Mach has climbed back on the ship. What does he see? As Mach is climbing up, there's a thud right to his left as a lion is hurled into the deck. He sees another lion is attacking your mistress's wolf. You also see Ariska circling behind her. Does he get the sense that she doesn't notice Ariska? She's not looking at her. Who's the closest to her? Ariska. As soon as he comes up on deck, he's going to go after who's ever closest to his mistress, and he's going to charge. Roll to hit. 14. That hits. Roll damage. Uh, 18. <laughs> okay. Out of the corner of your eye, you see him coming, and it still happens way too fast. He moves so fast and is just upon you. You feel the axe bite into your shoulder before you even realize it was swung, and it slashes down along your back, tearing open your flesh, and blood just spills onto the deck around you. Ariska drops the hand crossbow in pain, and then she pulls up her hand and points it directly at you. No words at all, just And that is hellish rebuke. Right back at you, sweetheart. 
And your divinity score is? 17. So I have to roll a 17 or higher? Make a dexterity save against it, 17 or higher. 20. Your hair becomes fire, wraps around your arm, and crackles out at him. He's just so fast at the last second, just dodges it. Mock still takes half damage for eight and is blasted five feet back from her. I'm going to use my divine power to shuffle the deck here. On their turn as a standard action, the God of Chaos can opt to randomly reshuffle the initiative order. Everyone currently engaged in initiative, including the God of Chaos, rolls a single d20 with no modifiers, and a new initiative order is established with the results. The next person to act is whomever now falls after the God of Chaos. Yep. 12. 20. 13. 7. That was the perfect use of that, because then you both get one more turn. Boom. Not too happy about a disembodied hand climbing my body, but I imagine if I kill the person who wields the hand, the hand will probably stop. So what I'd like is a really long stiletto knife. Try and put it through her eye. Six and four is ten. You go to stab her in the eye, and right before you get there, like as the blade's right here, her other hand goes up at the last second. And her fingers kind of deflect away the knife. Her strength is incredible, and she's casually slapping your arm to the side as you go up again. And now the hand is at your throat. I want the lions to back away. I want, I want them to lead the wolf back away from us. Just back it away, back away from the, um, from the fight. Yanya picks herself up and is growling and circling this way. The other line is now backing up towards her, kind of scuttling backwards, and the wolf is advancing, pissed, and is locked on them as it goes to the other side of the ship. Ariska reaches out to touch you and casts Bestow Curse. I'm going to choose your strength score, so your disadvantage on any check that has anything to do with strength. Okay. You have disadvantage on attack rolls against me, against moi, at the beginning of each turn, you have to make a wisdom save, and if you fail it, you waste your action for that turn. You can't act that turn. Any spell or attack that I make upon you, if it hits, deals an extra D8 damage. She reaches out, and her fingers kind of like, just grace your chest. And as she does, there's a bolt, and you can feel the power of your mistress, the voice and song and grace of your mistress dull and slide through your fingers as you weaken before her. Muck, make a wisdom save. Can I move? Oh yeah, totally you can move. I'm gonna scramble back as far away from him as I can get. What do I have to beat with the wisdom? Eight plus proficiency plus, plus the ability score modifier. Right, that's it, correct. Right, uh, so that would be eight plus seven, 15. 15. It's a wisdom save. Eight. How far away is that ship? The ship has now come around and is beginning to pull up alongside you. So within two rounds, it'll be pulled up Pulling alongside back. you. Okay. All right, death and the wolf. Swats at Yonya. Undead blackened claws just kind of rip along her golden fur and cut deep into her flesh. And she takes 14 points of damage and is kind of knocked to the side. Yonya's pissed now. How many points do they have? What are their hit points? They both have 48 hit points. All right, Death. Death at this point smiles as the hand is now at your face and the thumb plunges into your mouth as two fingers rip into your eyes. You feel pain in your eyes and then 
pressure as your eyesight goes black and everything goes black and you're plunged into this inky darkness. And you can feel her eyes behind you and you can hear a voice inside your head. What do you see? Fuck you. So there's a thumb in your mouth. So you're gonna muffle a fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> you begin to see other things around you and they begin to coalesce and you realize that it's other yous and you're seeing dimensions and worlds and everything is the diff is different and it's also the same. There's an ani, there's not an ani, but there's layers of these worlds that feel so familiar yet so different and things have changed within them. Some have world storms, some don't. But the one thing that's universal and consistent in all these worlds is you. It's the same Haldir, it's the same thoughts, it's the same path. Everything about these worlds is slightly different. You are exactly the same. Can I move? Roll me a wisdom save. Uh, 18. Yeah, you can move. In fact, you feel strength. The more of you you can see, the stronger you feel. The other me's also moving and looking around, like they're also there. As you take a step forward, they're like, so imagine a big circle, yeah. and you're all facing each other. You take a step forward, they all take a step forward. So have you ever seen the Star Trek episode? It's uh the answer is already yes, but go ahead. Where all the where wharf is traveling between dimensions yes. and they all appear. That's what I'm picturing. Yes, okay. basically, yeah. I'd like to walk forward towards the closest. How close are they to me? Have you been on a moving walkway? Yes. You know when you're walking, you're walking at a ridiculous speed? Yes. So that's what it is. You start walking and you're all very quickly closing in on each other. Are they mirroring my movements as well? Yes, exactly mirroring your movement. First of all, a world full of me, this is awesome. <laughs> Where am I? And the blackness peels away and the hand falls to the ground in front of you and kind of scurries back and runs up her body. And the rowing stops behind you and her wolf immediately stops. You cannot change. Why would I want to? And she smiles and she points back towards your ship as it's pulling up alongside and arms are just reaching out and bones are being shattered as they reach out and, you know, and slammed against the ship, but enough of them reach out to grab it and pull it alongside. Zombies are now pouring over from your ship onto hers. Below deck, just as they reached Vesson, just as the moss was being parted to the side, they suddenly all three pull back, climb their way up to the top, and everything's silent. In a couple seconds, all the zombies have poured off of your ship and back onto hers. Thrall and her and the wolf have all backed up and are now standing there non-threatening. Her hand climbs down her arm, slams its, itself onto her stump, and she kind of cracks her fingers and moves it around. And then she simply gestures back towards your boat and is staring at you. And just to be clear, all the other Haldirs are gone now? Everything's gone. So that vision you had in that blackness yeah, all gone. is all gone. Ariska climbs to her feet and steadies herself a bit on the gunwale. She's hurt. Yeah. And she looks toward this creature who she has 
presumed is the god of death, and says, Well, that seemed unnecessary. Why did you even bring us here? To see what was inside you. And what did you think? He kind of looks at you, looks back at Haldir, and then back to you. You inside are many things and nothing, and none of them know of each other. Are the elves that were on the mast still alive? Yes, those two are still alive. Three survivors! You know the end is coming, don't you? The end is already And for once, Ariska is a little bit taken aback. And she shakes her head and shakes it off and struts back up toward the wheel of the fog cutter. Right before you part, the god of death looks back towards you. I give what I have taken. And raises a hand, and the bodies of the elves that were slaughtered on your ship stand, crack, Bend, snap, and glowing blue eyes open as they all turn towards you and stare. I guess I'm gonna have to be doing a little extra rowing. Well, no, you just Although, so, so you had a, you 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 had a, you had a crew of sixteen. Yeah. Three of them are still alive. The other 13 have been raised as undead, completely under your command. If you think a thought, they do what you think, Haldir. Ah. Yeah, the crew's back under your command now. Exactly. Do like that. Yeah. Discipline, yes. Very disciplined. We'll do whatever you say. Work 24 hours a day without rest. They will do anything you say now. Hmm. Kind of wish more had died. <laughs> wow. Fessen covers Brutal. himself back up with the mom. <laughs> yeah, <seriously. laughs> uh-uh. He's like waving. We're not a, doing that. He's today. like waving at death. Can I come with you? Right, guys. Right. <laughs> so I, I knew what where we were going. Right. Mm-hmm. I guess the only thing to do is to continue. You're about five or six days out from Blackfang Bay right now. We're going to row if it's faster to row, or we're going to use... Not only is it faster, but the crew that you now have to row is much faster. That same mechanical precision you saw before, these troops are capable of providing. And the ship still listens to them as if they were... They can't form oars. They can't communicate with the ship anymore. But once the other two have gotten over their fear, they'll still do what you say. They really seem scared about this, but they'll follow your orders and they can summon the oars and do whatever they need to get the ship moving. Like they can do all the talking to the ship while the other ones provide the muscle. You row for a couple hours and the wind is picking back up. So you can put your sails back up. Yeah. Is it still five or six days? Because they move like they probably don't sleep. Yeah, but it's faster to sail even if even if they had oh. it's still faster to sail no matter what. Gotcha. So it's still the same time. First thing I'd like to do is totally ignore everybody, including Ariska, and just meditate um, and see sure. if I can figure out what the hell's happening in my head. Uh, what time is it in the day? It was about midnight. Yeah, it's been a couple hours since, so it's just approaching dawn now. Okay, on so, the ninth of Gaidon. Correct. Instead of completely ignoring Ariska, because it's probably not the best idea at the moment, I, I'd say uh, we need to talk in a few hours and go down to my little cabin area 
as but your lions are trailing you. Lions trail me, and well, I'd like to send my lions back. Do you have to eat? I'm gonna. Yeah. Is the so is the goat dead? The, the goat's very dead. Oh. All right. Yeah, all of the pigs, the chickens, all of the live animals, back. they've all been slaughtered and torn apart. As you walk downstairs and you pass through the mess, it is a mess. There is blood and guts and entrails on everything, every surface. Any substantial meat that I can have my lions feed on? Yeah, there's things they could pick at, certainly. Like And like to them, this is kind of a feast, so they're kind of excited exactly. by it. Like, so I guess I'd leave the lions in there, yeah. let them eat, and then when they're done, they can go rest. As you're walking down, the lions are like very close, purring, but it's the kind of purring a cat does when it's hurt. So they're purring and they're kind of standing up and they're pushing their faces against yours and they just, they, they don't want to be away from you and you're petting and you're trying to reassure them and they just keep coming. And then as soon as they see the food, they kind of like, and they look towards the food like, can we? Yeah, and so I, I wave my hand and they go, into the mess uh, and promptly begin to feast. Mm -hmm. Faces just quickly covered in blood as their fur is soaked in as they happily lap up entrails and I bits love of flesh. George! <laughs> They're doing that and I guess I like flick my my robe behind me in a, uh, in a dramatic swoosh and go down to my quarters. Uh, once I've recovered a bit, I'm looking for Vesson. What has Vesson been doing? <laughs> Not that he was ever safe, right? Uh, <laughs> but he's found his little safe space in the in the moss, and he'll just try to stay there until he gets so hungry. There's at least a little bit of salt water he can scrub and nip at. No, there aren't any windows down here, so mm -hmm. there's no way to look out. You heard a bunch of footsteps. You definitely heard one boat scrape up against another one. Then you heard the creaking of pressure relieved as you think one boat pulled away, and then you've heard some rowing. But otherwise, it's been pretty quiet. Just gonna stay down here? Hell yeah. You look around and you don't see Vesson. Maybe he didn't make it. I'm going to keep looking. I'm gonna just keep looking. Roll an investigation. Yeah, if I have a sense that- Roll hide. Sorry, roll stealth. Uh, 11. 24. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, you kind of walk through the decks, and it takes you a while, and you're like carefully, it's like, Fesson. One potato, another potato, <laughs> another potato, another potato. <laughs> it's like E.T. and like those Eminem things. <laughs> After a while, her little sing-song voice, Fesson, Fesson. And it's, and, and it's not quite as playful. <laughs> there's, a, there's a bit of sincerity to it getting closer. Clump, 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 clump. Well, this is clump, scarier for him than, clump, than the, the zombie. Clump. So. <laughs> He's going to stay where he is. You're now in the bowels of the ship and big, huge chunks of the moss have been, it's, some of it's growing back already, but some things happen down here. So you start to look around and your fingers are kind of gliding through the moss and the poor boy. You can clearly see his leg sticking out from the moss and then it's quickly pulled back. As I, as I realize, I stop for a moment and then kneel down so that my face is close to his. Besson, are you okay? She's looking right at you. The gig's clearly up. <laughs> right. At this point, it's how, how long has it been? Let's say you had patched yourself up and then gone looking for Besson, because that makes the most sense. Okay. Yeah. Am I capable of breaking that charm effect as w at will? 
that comes from the food? Oh, yeah, absolutely you are. As she sits there for a moment, as you're trying to respond, she holds up her hand, her eyes are locked on yours, and just snaps her fingers. And as she does, you hear a twinkling of glass in each of your ears, like the tiniest little shatter. And you're suddenly clearer. You understand that you're under her influence for this entire journey, ever since she first came on board. Grab the meat cleaver and stab her. I mean, I don't know. What would I do? I don't know. (laughs) Dear mom and dad, today was rough. (laughs) (laughs) She waits for a moment for some kind of reaction. And she can see by your eyes that you know. Take care of yourself. So go to my hammock then. You want to go to your hammock? All right. You go to your hammock. Aw, poor Vezas. All right, so you guys continue on. Day goes by, another day goes by. You guys kind of fall into this like little quiet routine. It gets a little more comfortable, but you guys aren't just like talking a lot. It was a lot to go through, and you guys have a lot to process, but you're still meditating and searching. You stand in the same place. You keep standing in that same place and now you don't feel the force behind you as much and you can turn around and you keep spinning in this darkness and looking out and you can feel the tendrils reaching out and you can feel the other yous. You can't see them anymore, but you know they're there now and you can feel them all also looking and searching but you can't quite pinpoint any one of them. And then you hear that girl's voice again. And then I, I did this cool thing where I jumped to the side and, and, and I just, I dodged it. I dodged it, Doro. <laughs> Go toward it. Caitlin. You have been in this dream space of yours, exploring. And you've been exploring because A, when you found the treehouse and figured out how to do that, not only was the whole team excited, but they were really excited. It's been helping them, you've been training. You feel like you finally found something you could really help with. Not to mention the fact that your training has been going exceptionally well inside the dream space. You have been catching up to even Doro as fast and quick and nimble as he is. You've been taking his lessons to heart. So you thought, well, Maybe I can help by finding the others because there's other godlings you haven't found yet. If you could just pinpoint where one of them was, you think you could really help. So you've been in this dream space. You've been thinking and you're kind of focusing and looking around until one night you see something. Far off in the distance is a glowing column of swirling pink and purple energy. The force feels divine, very much like if a powerful godling was within the dream space near you but those divine energies are not coming from him. They are being drawn to him. The thinnest of tendrils snakes towards the column from every other godling Caitlin can feel all around you, as if it's siphoning off just a little bit of their energy. Uh, Caitlin sees something that she's never seen before. She's explored the dreamscape. It's almost become commonplace. Like she knows the ins and outs, but this, this is so different. And she's curious. She didn't create it, and she doesn't know what has. So she approaches. 
As you get closer to the column, it explodes. Black, thick tendrils fire off it towards you and simply envelop you. You're suddenly in darkness all around you. There's no form, there's no being, there's nothingness everywhere. Even your voice sounds dull within your own throat. Hello? 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 Who's there? Who's there? Who's there? Who's there? Who's there? Who's there? Thank you for joining us for episode 79, Clearing the Deck. For my DM's notes about this episode, behind-the-scenes videos, early previews of all future episodes, and a ton of other bonus content, head over to patreon.com slash vardian. Rise of the Demigods launches Monday, July 23rd, and all previous Kickstarter and BackerKit supporters will get an early preview. For more information, follow Godsfall DC and Demigodsfall on Twitter. If you enjoy our edited podcast but want to see how we play the game in real life, check out the live stream I've been running for an official Wizards of the Coast campaign, Rivals of Waterdeep. Serena and Carlos are along for the ride as we team up with some local talent from the Chicago area. Well, I'd like to uh, cast Comprehend Languages. Excellent. On the on the shroud. Okay. On the shroud. Okay. So. Well, well, on myself, so that I can right. read the shroud. Absolutely. You cast it. You look at it. The words vibrate for a moment. You expect them to realign into a language you can read, and then there's like, like this weird kind of feedback and like a shock, and then nothing happens. I've never experienced anything like this in all of my travels. What, what, what yeah. did you get though? Yeah. What, what, what language is that? It's, it's urban elven, and I'm not exactly sure. <laughs> no one knows. No one knows what that is. Exactly. Yeah. It seems to change all, all the, the time. time. <laughs> 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 We broadcast Sundays, 12 p.m. Central at twitch.com slash dnd, and you can catch replays of the show on YouTube by searching for Rivals of Waterdeep. You can also listen to the show as an audio-only podcast at rivalsofwaterdeep.com. If you are headed to Gen Con this year, I will be there all four days along with several God's Fall cast members and the cast and producers of the Dungeon Rats. We are running games, hosting panels, putting on a live show, and workshopping ways to use improv in your role-playing. For more information about our events, check out neonrival.com slash GenCon2018. So thank you for listening, thank you for supporting God's Fall, and thank you for checking out the next big chapter of the God's Fall story when we launch Rise of the Demigods Monday, July 23rd. And we'll see you next time in the world of the Five Kingdoms. This show was produced and edited by Dead Ghost Productions. Find out more about us and all the shows we make at deadghostpro.com. <laughs>